Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find the man behind QB Spotlight, Stephen Hamner, on Twitter at Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Uh, Steve, we've made it through week one, man. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of football, a lot of football to uh, to get into, man. Just first off, really quick, before we jump right into things, man. How was your uh, how was your football weekend? Football weekend was good. You know, it was a uh, I don't want to say bittersweet because it was awesome that we had football on. You know, um, it's definitely different. Like we talked last week, I won't expand too much on it, but it was good to have football back. And we had a couple couple competitive games, um, so was happy happy to see it some good some good quarterback combo uh for sure how was it how was your watching it was fun man obviously i prioritized the cusa guys but because of the fact that it was a it was a busy but there weren't a ton of games on i got a chance to catch a little peek of each game and you know check out each quarterback pretty much except for the navy game navy and byu that was a blowout before i even had a chance to turn that one on so uh, overall overall really good man so you know we won't uh we won't belabor the audience anymore we'll jump right into it with week one um, do you want to start with CUSA first? Just talk about those guys. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do CUSA. Um, All right, cool, cool. So yes, we can. Uh, or, or go ahead, Steve. I'm sorry. Well, I was just I was going to say and this is you know right up your alley uh, with CUSA, but I feel like these are the guys we got the. So there are several new starters. Um, uh, of course, Marshall had Grant Wells, Jason Bean from North Texas, Harrison from UTEP, and I feel like like the takeaways. For from the from those three guys, especially Wells and Bean, is they look great. But the competition, of course, was an FCS uh, or FCS team, so you know you want to take it out the grain of salt. But you still you don't want to hold the competition against them. So you're happy that they got the first start on them. They all got wins. Uh, the 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 UTEP W, um, you know, was a was a uh, made you sweat a little bit till the very end. Uh, but I think people are, are happy with Wells and Jason Bean how they started. I think you can. Uh, both those programs need to be should be excited that they can you know build uh, build that offense around those guys. Um, the surprise of the of the uh, and you'll probably agree with this, Eric. But the surprise of the Conference USA quarterbacks was Asher O'Hara. And I don't want to you know spend too much time being a dead horse. I just chalk this game up to as you know uh, one to forget about. We've all had those games. The best have those games. So. I think in his case, uh, it's just one to forget about. One bad game, get back on the horse, and you know I think they're off this week. Um, so I, I'll let you correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but I think they're off this week, so he, they can kind of get the thing, get some things right, and uh, get moving forward. Those are kind of the main takeaways from CUSA. Uh, I, I we might spend time on this uh, down the uh, at the end of the, the segment. Maybe uh, you'll have more stuff on on the Southern Miss situation. Um, I just. But Jack Abraham, uh, it's interesting to see, you know, how they respond, you know, with their head coach uh, re- resigning uh, this week. So that's a story I look forward to. But all in all, I thought it was a, it was a fine week for CUSA, uh, but we still need more competition to get a, a real good understanding on kind of what these new guys got. Before I give you a couple quick thoughts of my own, I want to ask you, out of the CUSA quarterbacks, which ones did you have a chance to pay the most attention to? So uh, I was able to watch all of them pretty much for the whole game except okay. for Harrison on UTEP. I, I, admittedly, I'm a, I'm old, uh, you know, and so I fell asleep at halftime and UTEP was still losing. So 
uh, Wells, we spent a good amount of time on when I'm super impressed, but like we said, took with a grain of salt. Uh, Jason Bean was about, uh, you know, 50, 50 on and off and O'Hara I watched until he got taken out. Uh, and then TJ three and uh, Jack Abraham, I watched a decent amount of that Thursday night. Okay, really quick, that that UTEP game is actually on YouTube. So when you get a chance, go back and check that one out in its entirety. I will say this, just my quick thoughts before we uh, move yeah. on to the American. The Asher O'Hara game, yeah. First off, that game was out of reach before, honestly, the end of the first quarter, if not halftime. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know there's, there's a fumble. I want to say Jay McDonald had a, had a fumble early on. The And it's one of the things we talked about when previewing that game, you and I, as well as – that was, yeah, first dry fumble for uh, Middle Tennessee. Right, yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the things that you and I talked about when we previewed that game as, as well as on the uh, Conference USA podcast that I do. That Navy, Navy, that Army triple option offense is one that's just hard to prepare for, especially given the fluidity of the offseason and the way things happen. So, yes, while it's a game you want to forget about, I will say this, and this is just a quick thought I'm curious your opinion on. No one's ever going to confuse Asher O'Hara with Dan Marino. I, 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 that's, I, I think I'm safe in saying that. However, yeah. were, were you, uh, do you think maybe um, how quickly that one got away from them? I mean, obviously the defense, you know, that was a huge part, but do you think that was a byproduct of just the whole team having nerves or did Asher look a little bit jittery to you? I'm just curious from an outsider's perspective. You know, I, I, I think it was, there's a combination of things, right? Like, Obviously, this crazy offseason, but I know they had transfers, and one of the receivers that the name's forgetting me uh, transferred to West Virginia. Is it Dobson? Last name Zach Dobson. Dobson. Zach, Dobson. Zach Dobson, you got it. So that, and the, so they're, you know, and I want to say they're missing a few other guys on offense potentially um, that they had last year. So, you know, they're still breaking that in. And then at the same time, and and I agree, you know, for the defense, it take they only had what a few weeks to kind of plan for this, so very hard. About about but, seventeen days. Yes, yeah, wow. So seventeen days, hard to plan for. But I don't think they had a single stop, you know. And at the end of the day, it's like it's hard to. I don't know it. I I chalk it up as just throw away that throw away that game. But of course, you know, Asher's going to go back and and see what he can learn from and build from it. So it's a throwaway game, throw away the film. But before you throw the film, try to take a few nuggets from it. Uh, but I, I didn't think nerves was a big deal, at least for Asher, that, who, were that, who I was mainly watching. Okay, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I, by no means am I saying that this one falls on one player. You know, the whole team didn't right. look good at all. Offense, I mean, there were a couple times where the offensive, they had a couple offensive holdings, uh, a couple silly penalties. I mean, the whole team just looked bad, to be honest. So I just wanted to get your perspective on that. This is the game I will touch on because we got to go show UTEP some love. You know, I think um, whether it's been on this podcast or any other appearances, we've been critical of the things of the job going on there. Gavin Hardison, and I'm reading your note right here, maybe something to build on can spin it. Um, I absolutely believe that if there is going to be a rebuilding in El Paso, it's got to be with a young nucleus. They got a good running back, Deion Hankins. He's a kid who ran for 117 last week, uh, set the city record for rushing in the in the city of El Paso, uh, over 7,000 yards, had multiple P5 offers, chose to go to UTEP. They got a receiver, Jacob Cowing, was the guy who uh, went over 100 yards on the day, and Hardison. I think mm-hmm. that can be their big three. If they can build on that, that will be part of their nucleus going forward. So I, I definitely want to, you know, I'll save – uh, maybe a little bit more extended thoughts for you as you get a chance to see more UTEP and more of Hardison. But uh, we'll come back to that and see, you know, kind of what your thoughts are. Because I think if they're going to 
if they're going to get something, it's going to be uh, out of a, a passer who is more of a pocket presence as opposed to the dual threat they were going with with Kyle Locks in the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, I'm not going to dog on UTEP, but in, until uh, <laughs> until we see it, you know, I'm just kind of you know SFA is my alma mater, so uh, um, it was a little 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 bittersweet. But um, you know, I'll uh, I'll go back and watch the film for Eric. I promise. <laughs> now you're all good, man. All right, let's go ahead and transition to the American Conference to pretty high for excuse me two pretty high profile quarterbacks and SMU's Shane Bouchelle and Memphis's Brady White Brady White who actually is studying to get his doctorate in liberal studies that I learned mm-hmm. during the game so I'm hoping to see Dr. Mackenzie Milton versus Dr. Li- Dr. Brady White at some point in in time in a, uh in the near future as far as the collegiate careers at Memphis and UCF but uh, start with Shane Bouchelle, Shane. What'd you see? Sh- Shane, <laughs> start with Shane Bouchelle. Steve, what did you see? Yeah, I'll, take, I'll take the compliment. Um, yeah, so I think with – I'll kind of lump with both guys. I think we kind of saw kind of what we what we know about these guys, two vet guys. They both know their offense. They both move the offense down. The, 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 the difference between both of them, and this is just from being able to watch both games, at least the, the, first, uh, the first week, is – SMU is going to need to rely on Shane Bouchelle to move the ball downfield. Um, and Memphis has a much better supporting cast, at least going off number this, this game, than SMU has. Uh, you know, they, they're able to rely on the running game a bit more uh, compared to SMU. Uh, really need Shane Bouchelle to push it down. And they, they drove the ball down downfield, you know, somewhat often, but sometimes just couldn't finish drives uh, against Texas State. And Bichelle had two picks. Uh, one was a, one was a bad one, and one he got hit as he threw. Uh, but besides those two picks, Bichelle played a good game. But they're going to rely on him a lot this year. And uh, Brady White has potentially the best receiver in all of, you know, their American. Uh, I still thought they had a pretty good run game despite their, their stud kind of opting out before the season started. So I, I think – I don't know if we necessarily learned a bunch about them to begin with. I think they showed, you know, what we know about them and who they are, but I think we learned a bit more about the team and kind of the potential limitations uh, that, you know, that they may have or the surrounding cast that they have that can potentially, you know, help them come to the top to the, to the American. And definitely interested to see what you have to say about it. Uh, just because I know the American is a, is, a, is a conference you probably spend the most attention to besides CUSA. Yeah, well, okay, so here's kind of my takeaway, and I'm going to throw this back at you. I guess I am looking for, because Brady White was so high profile coming out of high school, I feel like I'm always looking for him to eventually be that guy who you think can be, you know, a first, second, third round pick in the NFL draft. And I still Mm -hmm. haven't seen that just yet. Like, I'm looking at your notes here, efficient, accurate, nothing flashy, just getting the job done. That's great. So I'm going to put this back in your lap here. Is Brady White just a really good college quarterback? And there's nothing wrong with that. That is, there's no shame in that at all. I guess from my perspective, I'm a little bit biased as far as hard, as far as how I grade him, because yeah. I'm always expecting to see the five star guy, got the size, you know, six five, two twenty, a smart guy. Brady White's got a solid arm. I mean, maybe not, you know, uh, a far yeah. arm, but it's solid enough. Uh, yeah. it, it's, is his ceiling essentially a really good college quarterback? In you know. Opinion? Yeah, that yes, I I do believe so, um, and I think we can credit some of his success to look look at the system he's been in, the system that produced Paxton Lynch, the system that produced Riley Ferguson. Like the Memphis has had no short of ha, has had uh, 
solid quarterback play, you know, for the past, what, six plus years, if I'm doing my math right, if this is White's third year and they had Ferguson and Paxton Lynch before him. So I think he's a good college quarterback who has a chance to have some type of NFL career, whether it be whether it's an undrafted free agent, make the practice squad, a late round pick. But I think that's kind of what he's looking at right now. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that, like you said. Hope maybe he, he proves us wrong. And um, but that's still you know better than what most people are able to say about their career. But I do think the fact that he was you know five or four star, depending who, what kind of uh, what services you're looking at, that kind of is, is hard to stick in your. Uh, that's hard to get rid of. Get to, excuse me. That's hard to get out of your mind. And so you just assume, okay, a quarterback rated that high, he's got to be you know, an NFL dude, a first, second, third round pick. Uh, but I just don't think that's the case in Brady White. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Steve. I, was saying, I, I think we would have seen it by now. You know, we would have seen that level of play, not to say his level of play, you know, in NFL caliber, because it is to an extent, uh, but it's just probably that lower round draft pick, uh, potentially undrafted free agent. All I was going to say to add on to that is I think that's one of the things that kind of shapes my opinion of his play is because when you look at the guys, you do the comps as far as coming out of high school. And for the record, I am not a star guy. You know, that, that is not uh, my preferred way of rating players. However, it's the one we use. So I'm going to go buy it. The, the comp is like, you know, your Matt Barkley's your, you know, I mean, essentially, if you are rated as high as Brady White was coming out of high school, at some point in time, you show something that gets you a solid NFL look and just haven't seen right. it from Brady White yet. That's not to say it may not come down the, you know, show itself in the future. It's just interesting. Uh, Shane Bouchelle, let's yeah. make sure we touch on him. Uh, he's got the size, got the arm, couple picks, you know, yeah. and, and that may have been a, a bit of a tighter game than I think either of us expected, but just what you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Like, like we mentioned earlier with Bichelle, just the fact his team is having to rely on him uh, kind of makes me question, you know, if something was, uh, you know, if he had a, if Bichelle has a bad game against a team better than Texas State, it's probably going to be hard for SMU to get the W. Now, granted, it's the first game of the year. You know, we don't want to put a ton of stock into it. Um, but he did show, he showed he throws a great deep ball, deep ball. You know, he doesn't have a, a, a fantastic arm, but he's got a good enough arm to put the ball where it needs to be put on a deep ball. Um, and he's such a smart quarterback. If you just look at some of his film, like he knows what the defense is going to do uh, before, before the snap of the ball. Um, and the, the picks, one was a bad pick and one he got hit as he threw. So I kind of cancel those out a little bit. Um, but I think like with white, we saw what, what we kind of know about, um, Shane Bouchelle. And then I got one comparison to throw your way real quick, Eric. Um, and and he kind of reminds me of both in a sense, but more of Brady White. Brady White's just in a different offense. And if you have more on Bouchelle, please come back, back to it. But what's to say Brady White's ceiling isn't the exact same as like a Jake Fromm from Georgia, you know, both rated highly Fromm didn't put up the numbers whites and, but he's in a different offense. What's to say Brady White couldn't do if Brady White was in the exact same situation as Jake Fromm was in last year and he had a supporting cast around him. You know, Fromm had like four-ish games where he threw under 50%. His p- completion percentage was under 50. So what's the, if Brady White was at a different school and put even putting up lower numbers, then he might have that higher draft ceiling that we were talking about. I know I kind of went somewhat off base, but Jake Fromm comparison just popped in my head because they're both highly recruited guys, both good arms, not great, uh, but just in total different systems. 
I think it's an interesting comparison you make. Here's what I would counter with. I would expect, and this is kind of what I expected from Brady White, that he would go, once again, we are G5 football people here, so we're not saying that, you know, denigrating G5 football, but I would expect that Brady White would have gone from Arizona State to Memphis and essentially raise the raise the play of the people around him as opposed to looking more of a game manager despite switching levels. Does that make sense? Fair. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, that, yeah. that, that's the thing. I'm just – you know, taking a quick gander here, Brady White's stats, obviously, you know, uh, 358 and five touchdowns against Tulane, sure. But then we got 32 of 51 for 454 and two picks against Penn State. So that's all I'm saying is that I, I would have expected that he would have gone to that level and excelled and made the players around him better, where it still looks like he's a product of Daryl Henderson. And um, I'm forgetting the other running back right now, the uh, um Patrick Taylor and then and, yeah. and those guys, you know, um, Gibson and and those uh all those Memphis running backs. He's looking more of a product of, of being that situation. Yeah. So that's all and, I'd say. And, and and just to, to add to that, the uh, gosh, the, the the head coach that just took the job at Florida State. I'll let Matt you say Norvell. that. Norvell. Yeah, because that that was big time. He was big in White's ability to succeed as well. So, uh, want to transition to the Sun Belt here? I want to focus heavily on these two guys uh I, I don't know if you know you got a preference if, if, um at all steve but i want to get into desmond trotter and i want to get into the situation at a state uh you want to take desmond trotter first get your give your thoughts on that yeah so he's someone we talked about last week's podcast and we were both excited because of how he finished the uh how he finished the 2019 season and he picked right up where he left off had a touchdown the opening drive and he's got two dudes at receiver who who two dudes at receiver uh, the, the receiver position who are potentially NFL guys. So the fact they came out, you know, they punched Southern Miss in the mouth and didn't stop. Um, he's got good receivers around him and he knows he's got good receivers around him. And so he takes advantage of that. Uh, not to mention he can run when he needs to, but what I love about him is he's an athletic quarterback, but don't get it twisted. His first and foremost uh, uh, mindset whenever he's dropping back is to throw the ball, get it his, to his receivers. And so I was excited to see him start off, and he 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 really started the Sun Belt off to a good start uh, this weekend. Even though uh, Texas State and Arkansas State both lost, and they both played well against bigger schools, so Desmond Trotter uh, is is a name that you know the Sun Belt fans I think are going to uh, to remember this year. And here's a reason why, just to piggyback off of what I was saying, Steve, about not being a believer in the star rankings, and I want to make this clear, I absolutely respect what the the guys at 247 are doing huge fan of their work i respect you know they're trying to assign a rating for the average person to say this is essentially what you may or may not be getting you know um not trying to denigrate their work at all but with that being said if you had to guess what star rating desmond trotter had coming out of high school what would you say man just because you're leading up the question i would say no stars or maybe two stars you hit, hit the nail on the head no stars. No. Now, once again, to, to kind of uh, give 247 credit here, if you look at the offers, South Alabama, Gardner-Webb, Jacksonville State, Tuskegee, right. T- Tuskegee, and um, and Samford. So it wasn't exactly like he was highly touted coming out anyhow. Um, but it just goes to show you that stars don't really kind of show – they aren't necessarily a great indicator of what that player may turn out to be. Just my thoughts are, I think that Steve Campbell should have turned to him four games uh, into, yeah. into last season, you know, yeah. um, 
I, I understand that, you know, with the red shirt rule, you want to protect your guys a little bit, but it, 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 he just looks like he's, he's one of those quarterbacks who you always get that feeling that your team has a shot. If he's behind center, I don't know if you agree with that. A hundred percent. And, um, yeah, no, I really like his game. Uh, just like just a gamer, uh, and so, and I think just to just to kind of go off with the stars, I, the, the star ratings, and not to get like in a, a high school recruiting uh, conversation too much. And I, I agree with you to a sense, especially with the lower level stars, the two and three stars. I think the five stars, you know, they're probably able to project a bit more. Sure, um, sure, of course. Probably, probably obvious, but like you said, they do you know a fantastic job that. Um, rating those and like those, those lower stars are probably hard to uh kind of project but uh but no i i enjoyed watching trotter and like you said he he makes players around him better and he knows that they're good let's get them the ball the next competition i want to talk about our next quarterback uh quarterbacks i should say that i want to talk about arkansas state logan bonner lane hatcher i talked ad nauseum about logan Excuse me, about Lane Hatcher last week. Had a chance to see him when they played in the bowl game, Camellia Bowl against FIU. Wasn't particularly impressed, but as I noted last week, he was going up against two NFL cornerbacks and Stanley Thomas Oliver and Isaiah Brown, Logan Bonner. Uh, they actually decided to split reps, which surprised me. I, I thought, quite frankly, that they'd go one or the other. Um, what did you see out there? I, I see your notes here. It says both had good moments. Bonner had picks. Uh, one looked you know, like it might have been on, on the receiver. Um, but just curious, you know, if the plan is going to be to go two guys, I'm not no. necessarily a, you know, a stickler in that old, you know, saying if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I mean, if you got two really good quarterbacks, fine, work it out. But I think eventually Arkansas State, if they're going to reach the heights that they need to or, or that that they're capable of reaching, it's going to be on the backs of back of one quarterback. I mean, I don't know off the top of your head, Steve. Can you think of the last successful program that was doing a dual quarterback system being here in Florida, being a Floridian, the first one that comes to mind is, is I was a kid. This is going back to second, third, fourth grade for me, Doug Johnson and Jesse Palmer. We're talking about Florida Gators late nineties. Um, yeah. That was the last successful program I could think of to split guys at, at quarterback, you know, and actually, and do it for the entire year and split guys. Right. Um, I think another pair, um, it's Florida, you know, Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, but yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but, 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 yeah, but with that, really, really quickly, that, that was that, Tebow had a package, he, he wasn't, you right, know, that exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly kind of what I was referencing to is Logan Bonner and, and Lane Hatcher are similar quarterbacks, you know, not they're they're they can move around a little bit, uh, they both have you know, plus arms, um. But they both want to sit in the pocket and throw it up to the receivers. You know, it'd be different if there was more of a package guy or more of a dual threat guy or someone who had a, a, a different um, component that was better than the other guys. But like you said, they're both – they're such similar quarterbacks. And, you know, I think it's tough to uh, to ride the whole season with two quarterbacks. And I was talking to an Arkansas State guy earlier this week, and he said the game plan is to, you know, even next week they, they come up against Kansas State – and the game plan is to play both of them. So I don't know exactly the, the thought about it. You know, um, maybe they're trying to find a, to to have a quarterback set before they actually start some conference play. Um, so uh, I think you know both both had good moments. Um, I think what hurts them though is 
the loss of Omar Bayless because they're so used to throwing it up and letting him just make a play on people. And I think that was evident against Memphis. There are several game, there are several plays where you thought the receiver was coming down with it, and uh, you know some something happened. He bobbled, he dropped it, and that's what happened with one of Bonner's picks. The receiver caught it, came down with it. He's uh, a six four receiver. I forget the name. And the DB from Memphis, five ten, five eleven guy, snagged out of his hands. And you know, that's a play that Omar Bayless would come down with in a heartbeat. So I think that played a role with it as well. Um, but like you said, both are good. Um, but I think our, I think when they play Kansas State this week, uh, and they plan to go with two guys, that maybe this is the last time they go with two guys. That they probably want to have at least one. But you know, at the end of the day, we we thought they were going to have one guy last week, and they played the majority. They played two back and forth. So. It's just hard to get in a rhythm. You know, it's hard to get in a groove if you're constantly knowing, okay, I'm out this series and back in next series, especially as a quarterback. And, and that's, you see, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. And the guy you're talking about is Jonathan Adams, who's their receiver, 6'3, 220, but he's an NFL caliber receiver. He's someone who, yeah. you know, was their number. Go ahead, Steve. It was actually no because yeah he 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 uh, he made a few good plays. Almost had a phenomenal catch. Is I can't remember the exact receiver, but he plays the other other side. Okay. Um, yeah, it was the one with Bonner. I the name escapes me right now. Okay. Um, but, yeah, just o- overall, I mean, it's not that they don't have receiver talent, but I can see your point as far as saying that they're so used to having that, you know, Omar Bayless hauled in 100 or maybe run that 100, but I think he had like some like 80-something catches for 1,500 yards. So he was definitely the number one option last year. So I can see that point. Want to transition to Texas State's quarterback, Brady McBride. I self-admittedly, this was the one game that I did not catch a ton of. Yep. Um, I saw a lot on Twitter about him <laughs> looking kind of erratic. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to kind of defer to you here, and, and I'm going to read your notes. You said there's something there with him that will mm-hmm. be good. Too many off-balance throws, not comfortable in the talk, not comfortable in the pocket. But Texas State should be excited about him. Yeah. Yeah, so he is went to Capel High School in the Dallas uh, Fort Worth uh, area in Texas. Good, 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 well known high school as most high schools are in, in the state of Texas for football. And then you know transferred to went to Memphis and transferred here to uh, Texas State. And the, the one word to describe him that I think was kind of evident, and it's kind of a cliche word, but he's just a gamer. Like nothing looks super pretty. He was like twenty two of thirty nine, I believe, not super efficient. But he did enough to keep them in the game. And, you know, in his defense, it was his first game starting in several years since he was at Memphis. And then he had to sit out last year transferring to Texas State. Uh, so I'm excited for Brady McBride. Uh, he definitely had too many off-balance throws, and he didn't come set in the pocket. He left the pocket way too early at times. So I think that's a. I think that comes down to him just being not comfortable uh, and kind of getting his feet wet back into kind of game speed and game play. And, you know, he's got a great offensive mind, Jake Spavadal, who, you know, coached Johnny Manziel. And it was funny, they're already making comparisons to Johnny Manziel and, and McBride. It was probably way too soon. But I'll, I'll kind of end my bantering there. I'm excited to see the potential Texas State has if McBride can take the, you know, the necessary steps to prog- progress as a quarterback. We'll leave it at that. Really quick, before we transition to next week's games, or I guess I should say this weekend's games, got to get used to saying that again. Uh, were there any quarterbacks who really, you know, stood out to you and said, hey, uh, who would be, for example, if I'm, you know, creating a a category here and I'm saying, you know, Steve's quarterback of the week, right? This is the one that really stood out to you and said it really kind of caught your attention and makes you feel that they are primed for success this year. Granted, it's only one week, but who would that quarterback be? So I'm going to kind of contradict myself when I answer this uh, because 
they played an FCS opponent, but Grant Wells from Marshall was – I was blown away. Now, I, I was texting throughout the game, you know, we'll take this with a grain of salt. But, man, I, there's something there with that kid. And we talked about him last week too, so I'm really excited to see them, you know, play their first FBS game. I think they're off this week, uh, but I'm excited for their first FBS game. Yeah, for you'll take Grant Wills. I'm going to go with Desmond Trotter just because I, like I think – go ahead, Steve. Oh, no, I was just – yep, I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go ahead and take Desmond Trotter. The reason why is just – and I, you know, Grant Wells doesn't make the schedule, can't control who they play. But Eastern Kentucky just didn't look – they looked overmatched. Um, good job by Marshall to go out there and execute. And, you know, Grant Wells looks like he's going to be a market improvement from Isaiah Green. But I got to give it up to – Desmond Trotter, the fact that they went into Southern Miss, a team that should beat them on paper. Uh, South Alabama, a program that hasn't won more than six games since they've joined FBS in 2012. That's just a great win to go in there and make a statement that they are looking to turn the corner for uh, Trotter as well as Steve Campbell. So want to go and give him a shout out there as we turn into week two and what you may be looking forward to. want to start with this note. It is UAB coming to Miami to take on the Canes. The Canes are projected to have a strong defense. We know how that goes. There have been plenty. You could have said that for the past 20 years, right? And it's only been accurate maybe a handful of times. With that being said, uh, UAB, Tyler Johnson III, we know that he had a couple struggles last week, but um, it looks like he'll be the starter at least. What are you looking forward to, to, to seeing from TJ3? So, like you said, Miami is supposed to have a you know a solid defense, but you know the last two CUSA schools Miami's played – They've lost, as obviously you know, and cover CUSA. So it'll be if if Miami's offense is supposed to be there. What if Miami's offense is you know back to being Miami, so to speak? Then I don't know if UAB fares all that well. If Miami's offense struggles and TJ three can keep them in the game and they just have a shot at the end, then then uh then you know I think UAB could take advantage of that. But I think the spread is is eleven and a half right now um so i think miami's gonna get a, a pretty a pretty good uh effort uh out of uab and if it's close in the fourth quarter who knows what happens what uh what are your thoughts on that the spread i believe is 14 now uh, self-admittedly i haven't checked i was told it was 14 uh, on a conference call earlier this morning here's here's the thing i am someone who's gone on record as saying that uab can absolutely win this ball game but it's gonna come down to tj3 he can't have the silly pick that you have against Central Arkansas. Yes, I, Central Arkansas is a team that has above average FCS talent. Braylon Smith's a really good quarterback. Uh, the receiver, Luan Winningham, is a good receiver. That may have played a factor in, in them giving up the 35 points and a lot of, of uh, garbage time yards against a prevent, you know, uh, prevent defense. Fine. But it's going to take a clean game. No turnovers, no fumbles. Uh, going into <laughs> almost at a hostile environment at Hard Rock Stadium, uh, it, it's they're going to have fans there, put it to you that way. So it'll be a, a big-time stage, if not a, a hostile environment. I shouldn't say that. But just going to need to see what's going to happen from him. But the major thing, you can't have the silly pick. You know, you just can't. I, I, I was looking forward to seeing Tyler Johnson cut that part, that um, that out of his game this season, and to see it happen against uh, Central Arkansas is a little bit frustrating. I don't know how you felt about that. No, uh, I'm I'm with you 100%. And you are right. It, it, the, the spread's 14. Just looked it up. Okay. So the next quarterback we'll go with is Levi Lewis, who you have here as maybe the best quarterback in the Sun Belt against Iowa State. What are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Lewis? Yeah, so this is a guy who 
His first year starting was last year. He was the backup and played sparingly the year before. He backed up Andre Nunez uh, at Louisiana. And this is a, a southpaw lefty, uh, little Steve, Steve Young action. Um, but uh, g- good athlete. But, man, he can sling it, smooth delivery. And Iowa State, you know, they, they sometimes they, they play down. Not that, you know, Louisiana is, is uh, way down in – and talent, but you know, Iowa State's supposed to beat a school like Louisiana. But I, this is maybe where the spread's only 11 or 11 and a half here. Uh, 11 and a half, yep. And so <clears throat> I don't know if there'll be fans there or not. Like with Miami, if there are, it'll just be a little bit. Uh, but I, I think Levi Lewis is, could be the best quarterback in the Sun Belt. And that says a lot with, you know, uh, uh, with Zach Thomas being in the Sun Belt from App State. But I think Levi Lewis has, has a chance to. Louisiana has a chance to beat Iowa State this week. Like how you feel about UAB in Miami is probably how I feel about Louisiana and Iowa State. It's the Cyclones always struggle with these kind of lower level schools. It seems like they they almost lost to Drake. Uh, they've almost lost to Northern Iowa either a year or two years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, maybe they did lose to Northern Iowa several years ago too. Um, so I think I I don't look. They got a great head coach, Matt Campbell. But, you know, Louisiana's got a, a great head coach, too, in Billy Napier. So I think they're going to be ready. And uh, if Iowa State doesn't bring it, then, you know, they could look up and see themselves in a, in a ball game in the fourth quarter. Completely agree with you there. Want to transition to a game I think both of us might be the best G5 game of the week. And that's Charlotte versus App State. And the QB matchup there is Charlotte's Chris Reynolds versus App State's Zach Thomas. Haven't had a chance to talk about uh, either of those guys so far this year. So I'll let you have at it. Yeah, so I think, and this, these are, you know, obviously you see you've seen Chris Reynolds very often the past few years with CUSA, but both these quarterbacks are very similar in style of play. They're good athletes. They're not going to outrun anyone. Uh, they're not going to test off the charts on any any combine test, but they're good athletes. They can use their legs, and they're smart decision makers. Uh, they don't have extremely strong arms. You know, they're not going to uh, chunk it 60 yards down the field or, or, or rock it in a tight window, but they're going to be smart with the ball. And they're always going to be in a situation, a position to win. And so, like you said, this is probably the, the game I'm most looking forward to this weekend. Uh, you know, it was a high scoring game last year, uh, 56, 41, I believe was, was the final score, uh, or at least somewhere around there with, with App State winning and App State opened up like 20, 20 and a half point favorites. It's been kind of brought down to 17. So it'll be interesting to see, this all play out with App State's new coach, and um, you know, are they going to be the same App State that they have been? I don't see why they wouldn't be. Uh, so I think you know, Thomas probably has the upper hand here. But uh, as someone who's watched Reynolds the past you know, few years and be, uh, win a quarterback competition last year, won a quarter, quarterback competition the year before, he's definitely someone I wouldn't rule out. So I expect this to be a very close game to the very end with, with two similar quarterbacks battling it out. Got a little bit of time here. I want to follow up on Chris Reynolds. What do you see from him that you think has made him so good? You know, I think self-admittedly in 2018, one of the things I saw from Chris Reynolds where I felt like, all right, you know, um, maybe he's just better than the rest is that they were going with guys like Hassan Clue and Evan Sheriffs and guys like those who just didn't really stand out. You know, um, Chris Reynolds obviously looked like the best of the rest. And then in 2019, he beat out Brett Keane in the quarterback competition. And it wasn't as much as, He's just better than the rest as much as it was he won that job. So just curious what you see from Chris Reynolds that's made him so good. Yeah, just like, you know, similar to to, to the Zach Thomas comparison, there's not really one thing that sticks out to me. 
it's just there's but at the same time there's not one kind of negative takeaway either so i think it's the fact that uh you know there's not a lot of flaws in his game he's not the most talented guy with as far as you know speed and and uh you know arm strength goes but i I don't hold that as like a flaw in someone's game if he knows what he's good at like he knows the qualities he's good at and he can play within those qualities you know he, he doesn't try to do too much or he doesn't try to be a quarterback that he's not uh he knows what what works for him and what what works well within the offense and he stays within the offense so it'll be interesting to see without you know Benny, Benny LeMay this year um and, and you know how the running back transition kind of helps with the offense and helps with Chris Reynolds but I think the fact he plays within himself as simple and kind of you know cliche as it sounds it's you know led him to be the starter for Marshall for two straight years. Well, if it's one thing they do have, while they did lose Benny LeMay, who is now in Cleveland on their practice squad, they picked up a two-time thousand-yard rusher in Trey Harbison from Northern Illinois. So should be able to pick up, you know, not miss a beat as far as the run game is concerned. So we'll have Victor Tucker, Cam Dollar, a lot of playmakers there. Uh, you said you want to see the quarterback situation versus Kansas State, Logan Bonner, Lane Hatcher. And you touched on it a little bit, but let me put it to you, the, the question this way for our audience, so you're not kind of repeating yourself. What would you be looking for if you were the decision maker there in Blake Anderson at Arkansas State? What would be the thing that you're looking for that would help you make a decision going into week three uh, from these two guys? Yeah, so I'll make it kind of short and sweet and simple. And who has the hotter hand? Who's having? Who's practicing better? Whoever's practicing better, you know, let's put the cards up with him. Let's roll with it. And let's see what happens. Uh, nothing super, you know, analytical about that, but kind of who, whoever has the hot hand, why pull him out? If he's playing well, he's in a groove, let's keep him in. So even, even if you're planning on switching out, if someone's having a hot hand, write it out. Steve, quick follow-up. Is that just because of the fact that both guys are so similar in, in your mind where it just comes down to who has the hotter hand? Yeah, I think so. And the fact that, you know, they're going up against a Kansas State defense that is going to be big and they're going to be tough and kind of like that, that blue-collar mentality, they're going to hit hard. So – if someone's in a groove and someone's, you know, it's just like a, like a, like a running back, you know, if he's hot, feed him, he's hungry, feed him. He's doing well, feed him. Same thing with the quarterback. If he's in a groove, let's not take him out. Cause it's going to be hard to get back in that groove. Next situation or next game will transition to you. That's the same situations. I'm looking at my uh, notes here about Logan Bonner, Lane Hatcher. The next game we'll transition to will be UTSA. The Roadrunners taking on Texas State, which you say should be a good game. I agree. Texas State looked good against SMU. Jeff Trailer, first-year coach, his debut uh, at UTSA should be a good ball game. The quarterbacks we have here for UTSA who are competing for the job, I know we haven't talked too much about them in the uh, kind of the hiatus we had, so we'll go ahead and introduce our audience to those guys. Frank Harris, who was a starter in week one but suffered another injury, uh, I believe was this one was a ACL injury again, either ACL or shoulder. I could be mistaken. Uh, it was one of the other. Uh, Lowell Narcisse, the former LSU quarterback, JoJo Weeks, and then Josh Adkins. So kind of a, <laughs> a four-way race, four-way race there. Obviously, don't expect to see four quarterbacks uh, coming out. I have not had a chance to see the UTSA depth chart if they've released in their game notes. I don't know if you've seen it, but I'll just let you go ahead and take it away as far as what you want to see from UTSA and then from uh, Brady McBride with Texas State. Yeah, so I'll hit Texas State super quick because we've talked about McBride. You just want to see McBride be more efficient in the pocket. If he does that, they'll have a chance. As far as UTSA, I would assume, I think you probably think the same way. If Frank Harris is completely healthy, I would assume he's the guy. I talked to a UTSA guy today, and he kind of he assumed you know Harris would be the guy. Someone I do like is Josh Atkins, who you know probably hasn't been talked about a lot. He 
played at New Mexico State the past two years and put up decent numbers. He's from you know the San Antonio area, I believe. Uh, someone I broke down at a high school. So uh, you know they have a few options, and it sounds like I haven't seen a depth chart either. So it sounds like they're playing it close to the, close to the vest, you know, uh, as far as who they're going to start. But I would assume Harris. Would would you agree, or do you, would you lean a different way? I think it's going to be Harris, and I just went ahead and looked up the notes here from Greg Luca, who covers the team down in San Antonio uh, for the San Antonio News Express. He said that uh, Jeff Trailer has told the team and the quarterbacks who will be the starter. He just hasn't made it public to the media. So uh, as far as that goes, the decision has been made. Uh, and obviously the team knows, which is what matters. I think it's going to be Frank Harris. I just think that, you, you know, the biggest thing that I was worried about with him, hopefully he hasn't lost too much of his athleticism from those injuries. I mean, it's 2020. ACL injuries tend to, you know, be injuries nowadays that you can recover from pretty routinely. But that's the major thing. As long as he still has that athletic ability, he'll be able to make it happen. Agreed. Yep. Go ahead and get our last two games in really quickly here. We've got Louisiana Tech versus Baylor. The two guys there are Luke Anthony and Aaron Allen. The depth chart was released. You've got one of those or situations. It is uh, either or, not one or the other. What are you looking for both, uh, either of those guys? They've got a ton of receivers there for La Tech and a good running back in Justin Henderson. Yeah, um, you know, the, the Luke Anthony transfer from Albany Christian, and then you got Austin Allen, who, you know, starred last year whenever Jamar Smith was suspended. So, you know, uh, I guess we just want to see, you know, whoever gets in, they need to take the advantage of the opportunity. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about either one. So I'll kind of be long for the ride and just, you know, see who plays better and be able to break them down down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just from my perspective, I think Aaron Allen's going to be the guy. He he looked fairly well coming in as far as um, just what you saw in the uh, little bit of time that he had from Jamar Smith when Jamar Smith was suspended. Three-star recruit coming out of uh, – where is he from? In Louisiana, excuse me, from Missouri City, Texas. So another Texas guy. Mm -hmm. I know you're part of those Texas quarterbacks. So yeah. <laughs> there we go there. Uh, let's get our last game in really quickly. Tulane versus South Alabama. Uh, go ahead and let you, let you uh, take it away as far as Keon Howard, a former Southern Miss guy, and Desmond Trotter. Yeah, so I, I think we, we both hit on Trotter a good amount, so I think we're both probably going to be excited to see him play against a probably better competition than Southern Miss, playing Tulane, and then Keon Howard, who actually started off and on two years ago. Uh, no, three years ago at Southern Miss. I Correct. Was it three? Yeah, three years ago before, uh, before Abraham took over and who he split time with the name. For, uh, for, I forget the, the name, but – I'm just excited to see him. He hasn't played football in a while, so I know he's excited. So uh, I think he's going to fit the offense well because he'll be able to run and throw. And this should be, a, 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 I think, a surprisingly good game. Absolutely. So that is your matchup. That is your week two of QB Spotlight for the 2020 season. We will be here all season long, guys. So please check us out uh, really quickly. Quick rundown where you can find us. You can find the, the podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find us online at podcast.apple.com on uh, Apple iTunes. Um, you can also find the spot, the, the podcast coming soon on various other podcasting platforms. Please Feel free to leave us any feedback, positive, negative, or otherwise, and leave us a review. That is how we can help this podcast grow. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week.